Well, it's been a busy week in Lancaster, my hometown, <laughs> with uh, getting ready for Ken's funeral, and then yesterday afternoon uh, we spent in a church board retreat. Um, it was 7 p.m. last night when I started my sermon, and Danette can tell you that in 15 years that has never happened. And uh, I felt God's sense of humor because it says here, do not worry and do not be anxious about what you're going to preach. And I was doing just that. And last night at 10, I went to bed. I was just tired and uh, woke up this morning and God provided uh, a sermon. So let me say, God is good. And you can say... Or all the time. God is good. And all the time. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we are grateful that in our time of need you are faithful and that you provide what we need. And so we rejoice in our joyful dependence on you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I'll never forget a starry night in China some 20 years ago. A colleague and I were in a rural town several hundred miles uh, south and east of Beijing, the capital. We had traveled by car and by bus and by train and by foot to get to this little town where there were a grouping of churches that had been founded by Mennonite missionaries 50 years earlier. And upon our arrival in the guest house, my friend went out to get us some food, and it's of course while he was out getting some food that the police came. And uh, we sat in a a room in our guest house, and they were smoking like chimneys. I think they were just about as nervous as I was, and uh, they wanted to know exactly why we had come. What I remember most vividly about that experience was not that smoke-filled room, but what happened afterward later on that evening. Because later on that evening, we met, we finally met up with the folks that we were going to visit, and we told them, look, the police came, we're going to go back to Beijing tomorrow morning, we don't want to harm your relationships here, make life harder, any harder for you than it already is. But they absolutely insisted that we stay. And that visit, and the five that then followed after it, year after year after year, deeply shaped how I read a passage like Matthew 6. And ever since then, I think about that community's fearlessness, their prayerfulness, their hospitality, and their joy whenever I think about what it means to seek First, the kingdom of God. And above all, I remember their joy. 
and dear friends, joy, not the absence of suffering, joy is the surest evidence of the presence of God. You can be in the midst of hard times, but if God is with you, there is joy. A teacher of preaching was once asked, how many points should a really good sermon have? And she said, at least one. (laughs) So here's my one point for my sermon this morning, and it's a point that's already been made here many times. We can only glimpse the fullness of the Gospel as we see how it is being lived by all the other two billion followers of Jesus around the world. We can only seek first the Kingdom of God by learning what this means to them. And by them, learning what it means to us. And in my experience, every church in every land has its very precious gifts to share, and its unique blind spots and deficits to overcome. Amen? And so it's through things like World Fellowship Sunday, and more importantly, World Fellowship with believers around the world, that the Holy Spirit continues to work in the church to redeem and refine and redirect every congregation in every land. And Ephesians 3.10 talks about this in a beautiful way. It says that through this global dimension of the church, that it's through this dimension that the wisdom of God in all of its rich variety is made known to the powers and principalities. In fact, once we're on to this reality, we start noticing in the New Testament all the profound bonds of love and support and mutual correction that tied together all of the early congregations, the first congregations that we read about in the New Testament. In Jerusalem, Antioch, Ephesus, Philippi, Thessaloniki. Folks like Paul and Priscilla and Aquila were constantly traveling back and forth between them, learning, growing, correcting one another, discovering that they belonged to a worldwide family of faith. In today's reading from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us to seek First, the kingdom of God. And what is this kingdom that he is talking about? Well, it's a, it's a global realm without borders that is present wherever people are living as God intends. Gratefully. Generously. Caring for creation, where the poor have what they need and evil is overcome with good. And most importantly, life is being lived in an interactive communion with God 
Martin Luther King called the kingdom of God the beloved community. I love that. The beloved community. And even today, Jesus is calling us to seek first that reality above everything else. To repent and defect from the empire of violence and greed and consumerism that we live in and to immigrate into His alternative realm of justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus often clothes His descriptions of this kingdom in subversive word pictures. He tells us, for example, that the kingdom is like a woman who mixes yeast into a batch of flour. What he's telling us is that the kingdom is like a covert insurgency in the world, plotting goodness, conspiring kindness, and waging peace in our world. God's reign is mostly unseen and is secretly transforming our world from the inside out. And on that starry night 20 years ago, I caught one of my first glimpses of that reality. And this becomes a kind of touchstone for us. And I sense these, each of you has these touchstones as well. When you encounter some new thing, as people of faith, we go and we ask, how would my Chinese sisters and brothers think about this? Or in Colombia, or in Germany, or Gaza. And they become one of our new reference points for being faithful to the kingdom. The reason that we need our worldwide family of faith is that because on our own, we are all too easily, or we all too easily settle into our unquestioned practices. And we all too easily get mired in our local controversies. Amen? And contact with global believers helps us to see our faith in a brand new, fresh light. And they, by the way, experience the same thing when they're with us. These global relationships are particularly crucial for those of us who happen to be living so comfortably in the American empire. I don't know who I'm talking about. Those of us who are so easily lulled by its propaganda. Or should I say advertising? Seduced by its promises and protected by its terrible violence. Through our global relationships and experiences, God is continuing to save and to transform East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. 
Amen? And energizing us to seek the kingdom and to keep on seeking it in fuller ways. And next Sunday, Ruth Lehman is going to be sharing about some of her glimpses of the kingdom from Ethiopia. Right, Ruth? And Marlon. And Marlon. Good. So, dear friends, what are some practical ways that all of us can more fully seek this global kingdom of God? For some of us, it might be as simple as just being intentional about building relationships here in Lancaster with those who live and work nearby from the global church. They're here. in our own neighborhood here in Lancaster. My own family is being enriched right now by new friendships with folks from Puerto Rico, Cuba, and Ethiopia within two blocks. And this summer, through our Mennonite World Conferences assembly in nearby Harrisburg, right? We have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to host global guests in our homes and to experience the global reach of the Kingdom of God. And uh, unnamed sources... Tell me that it's not too late for us to sign up for hosting guests or attending that week-long assembly or to join in the prayer walks here in Lancaster that are happening each month. Now I want to close this morning with a special call-out, shout-out to our young people. To all of our young people in middle school and high school, you want to raise your hands? All right, so I'm going to have to look over here mostly. Zero in. You know, every year I send a letter to all the high school graduates of our church who are heading on to college or to service or to adulthood. And so this past July, I sent a letter to Maria and Kate and Skylar and Danielle and talked about the wonderful opportunities, the unique opportunities that you are heading into in this particular time in your life. Let me just share a couple things that I shared with them. I encouraged them that when they got to school, or ballet school, in Schuyler's case, to visit as many churches as they could. And then after they had visited all the churches they could, to hone in on one, a particular community where they could be accountable and worship and grow as followers of Jesus. I encourage them to adopt a spiritual discipline 
like prayer or meditation to connect regularly with God. I encourage them to learn how to love their bodies and to develop healthy habits of exercise and sexuality, nutrition, and rest. Why? So that they are able to live long lives of kingdom service. And here's the one that connects with our focus today. I encourage them to take every chance they had to learn a second language. And to serve or study overseas. And let me say the same thing to each of you here today. And we all know that learning a second language is a big pain in the you-know-where. Amen? It's a lot of hard work. It means you're going to say some really embarrassing stuff. Really embarrassing stuff. And people are going to laugh and hoot and holler about what you've said. But learning another language may be one of the most important things you ever do as a follower of Jesus. It gets you out of this little world that we've all grown up in. And it will help you begin to seek in fuller ways. To experience in fuller ways the global reach of the kingdom of God. And to discover that we really, really are part of a worldwide family of faith. We really are. Amen.